You're listening to Cross Section, the podcast of the Summit View Church of Christ. Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord So there was this older man. He was married. There was this single woman. She was pretty young. And there was this group of ordinary guys at work, working the night shift, as it turned out. And I know the older man had been praying, although maybe not recently, but I'm sure that he was. And I suspect that the single woman was praying, because that's just the kind of person she was. And I really don't have a clue whether the guys at work on the night shift were praying or not. But whether they were praying or not, God did something incredible and wonderful in all these people's lives. And scary, to be honest, at least at first. Because, because frankly, even if you pray for God to do something really meaningful in your life, when it happens, sometimes it's scary. And it can be scary when you don't pray for it as well. And God just surprises you with it. The older man had been praying for God to give him and his wife a child. But he might have given up on that prayer. Uh, because, you know, we do give up on our prayers sometimes when it seems to take God a long time and it appears that the answer is no. Because for him, it just hadn't happened. He and his wife were, you know, getting old. The single woman was uh, the kind of person who, even in her youth, has found favor with God. She was then the kind of person who is very likely to pray. And she had things to pray about. She was engaged to a great guy. And so it's easy to imagine that she might have been praying for her fiancé, praying for their wedding, praying for their marriage, because, hey, never pray for the wedding without praying for the marriage, right? Because which one's more important? And who knows? She might have been praying that God would give them children when the time was right. You know, someday. Probably not yet, but someday. And the group of guys at work, I have no idea what they were praying for, if they were even praying at all. But God chose all these people, and he did something amazing in their lives. And for all of them, it seems to have been pretty frightening at the beginning, because to all of them, God's messenger made sure to say, do not be afraid. And yet, when all was done, Even though they were afraid, they shared in one of the most wonderful things God has ever done for us. We're wrapping up uh, the sermon series, Do Not Fear. Do not in parentheses, because Scripture does teach us to fear God with that uh, faithful, reverential fear that moves us to honor and to obey our Creator. We've talked about how if we fear God, then his presence in our lives helps us manage all our fears. And so, fear God, but do not fear many of the other things that people are afraid of in life because God is with you and he will help you. And we've talked about how we as Christians should think about some of the scariest things in life. The judgment we talked about a few weeks ago, the end of the world a couple of weeks ago. Last week we talked about how we should think about death. Today we'll close this series with a phenomenon that we see frequently in Scripture and also in our own lives as we walk with Jesus, as we walk with God. 
When you walk with God, he will call you to share in his glorious work of blessing the world. And when he does, it may be a little scary, at least at first. It'll be a little scary because we're talking about doing things with God. To join in God's work, we have to come close to him. And that, that, can, be, that can be scary in itself. To share in God's work, we have to enter into situations that are way too big for us, way outside our comfort zone. Not too big for God, but too big for us. And yet God calls us as his children to come into his awesome presence, share in his life-transforming work, and not be so scared that we run away from it. God is awesome. He is frightening in his awesomeness. There is nothing benign about our God. He created the heavens and the earth. He does huge things. Beings as glorious as angels obey his commands. And beings as terrible as demons cower in fear of him. And this same God calls us to be his children. And then like any good parent, he wants his children to come and share in his life and in what he's doing. Which means... We get to serve God in the company of angels. And we get to serve God with opposition from demons and the devil. And we deal with situations as we serve God that are far too weighty and complex for us. All the while living each day in the presence of the holy God whose spirit dwells within us and labors within us to make us holy too. This is glorious work. And it is a grand adventure, but it's often scary, too. For example, several of you, and I too, have flown to Honduras to do some short-term or long-term mission work there. Most of us with... um, an organization called Little Hands, Big Hearts, which our church has been involved with for uh, several years now. Their, uh, their ministry helps uh, families with special needs children in one of the poorest communities in one of the poorest nations in the Western Hemisphere. It's great work. But isn't it, for those of you who have gone, isn't it a little scary? There's tremendous poverty there. There's corruption There's a high crime rate. There are mosquitoes everywhere. There's malaria. The roads are bad. Maybe you don't speak Spanish. Maybe you're afraid to fly. There's lots of stuff to be afraid of. And yet God calls some of us to go to scary places, to do scary things when it's scary to do them, because he wants to use us, his children, to bless other people in the name of Jesus. And some of us who have not been called to go there have been called to support those who go there and share in that sometimes scary work. So you who have gone to Honduras with the support of others who backed you up have done beautiful things like improving homes for the poorest of the poor or taking food to people who have almost nothing. Some of you helped build a playground for children with special needs in a community where special needs kids have almost zero resources. And wasn't it a little scary to go there? But you went courageously. 
because you felt that God had called you to. And you blessed people and you gave Jesus a good name in that community. Some of you, another example, have adopted a child or have fostered a child, uh, had foster children or unofficial foster children living in your home, uh, some of them as, as teenagers, which is challenging, or you've supported someone who has adopted or fostered, prayed for them, helped them in some way. When followers of Jesus who have become foster parents or adoptive parents talk about the experience, they often say it's intimidating. The, the change in their own lives is drastic. Plus, they're trying to help in the life of a, children who's passed, a child whose past includes a lot of pain, who's been through difficult struggles. It's very hard. These are courageous people, but when the child is suddenly there, it's scary. Yet in spite of their fear, they do this because they see God wanting to work through them to make a difference in that child's life. It's glorious work, but it's scary too. Just to bring this, bring this home and, and to kind of connect with what we'll be doing this next year, even simply reading Scripture can be scary. When you read Scripture, don't you sometimes come across a passage that makes you a little nervous? Like God is speaking directly to you through his word? Like the Holy Spirit is saying to you that day, I want you to see this. And God's word comes alive and confronts you in a way that is a little unnerving, a little scary. <clears throat> 2,028 years ago, give or take about a year, an angel of God appeared to an older married man named Zechariah, a Jewish priest who lived in Judea, which is uh, the southern part of Israel. Zechariah and his wife, Elizabeth, had never been able to have children. It was obviously too late for them, and their hope was all but gone. But then an angel of God appeared. Let's pick up the story in Luke chapter 1, verse 5. In the time of Herod, king of Judea, there was a priest named Zechariah who belonged to the priestly division of Abijah. His wife Elizabeth was also a descendant of Aaron. Both of them were righteous in the sight of God, observing all the Lord's commands and decrees blamelessly. But they were childless because Elizabeth was not able to conceive, and they were both very old. Once when Zechariah's division was on duty and he was serving as priest before God, he was chosen by lot according to the custom of the priesthood to go into the temple of the Lord and burn incense. And when the time for the burning of incense came, all the assembled worshipers were praying outside. Then an angel of the Lord appeared to him, standing at the right side of the altar of incense. When Zechariah saw him, he was startled and was gripped with fear. But the angel said to him, do not be afraid, Zechariah. Your prayer has been heard. Your wife Elizabeth will bear you a son, and you are to call him John. This priest, Zechariah, was just serving God faithfully like he always did. And suddenly he was startled and gripped with fear. Why? 
Because an angel appeared to him suddenly when Zechariah was alone inside the Lord's temple. Why did the angel appear? Well, Zechariah doesn't know it yet, but God is calling him to play a role in the magnificent story of Jesus. So the angel's first words to Zechariah are, Do not be afraid. Because the angel knows that sudden angelic appearances are not something we human beings are used to. They frighten us. And when God calls us to join him in his glorious work, he knows it might be scary to us. That we're not used to doing the kinds of things that he might call us to do in some cases. But he doesn't want our fear to control us. He wants us to trust him and push through the fear and hear his message and share in his work. So the angel explains that God has heard Zechariah's prayer. So we know Zechariah had been praying for a child, at least at some point in the past. And God heard that prayer. Isn't it reassuring to know that when you pray and pray and pray for a long time, and you get no answer, that God may yet remember your prayer and grant what you prayed for. So never, ever, ever give up on God. The angel prophesies that Zechariah's wife, Elizabeth, will bear a son miraculously by the power of God because Zechariah and Elizabeth are too old. This has to be something God is doing. And their son is to be named John. And then the angel continues, verse 14. He will be a joy and delight to you, and many will rejoice because of his birth, for he will be great in the sight of the Lord. He is never to take wine or other fermented drink, and he will be filled with the Holy Spirit even before he is born. He will bring back many of the people of Israel to the Lord their God, and he will go on before the Lord in the spirit and power of Elijah to turn the hearts of the parents to their children and the disobedient to the wisdom of the righteous, to make ready a people prepared for the Lord. Zechariah asked the angel, How can I be sure of this? I am an old man, and my wife is well along in years. The angel said to him, I am Gabriel. I stand in the presence of God, and I have been sent to speak to you and to tell you this good news. And now you will be silent and not able to speak until the day this happens, because you did not believe my words, which will come true at their appointed time. The angel foretells that Zechariah and Elizabeth's son is going to be someone remarkable. We will know him later as John the Baptist. He will be filled with the Holy Spirit, the angel says. He will bring many people back to God. He will be a prophet in the spirit and power of Elijah, one of the greatest prophets in Israel's history. He will get people ready for the Lord, specifically for Jesus when he comes. Zechariah hears all this, but he's so stunned that he misses the point. God is answering his lifelong prayer for a child. And at the same time, God is calling him and his wife to join in God's work of sending the Messiah and preparing the people of Israel for the Messiah's coming. And all Zechariah can think of is, this isn't going to happen. We're too old to have a child. And he actually offends the angel Gabriel a little bit with his disbelief. But let's not be too hard on old Zechariah. It's scary enough coming face to face with an angel of God. Add to that the sudden news that, guess what? In your old age, you're about to become a dad for the first time. 
And not just to any child, but to a great prophet of God. But no pressure, right? You're going to be responsible for raising this man God has great plans for. But no pressure. It can really be frightening to be called by God into service you never expected God to call you into. When God calls us into his service, he does it on his own schedule, according to his own agenda, usually without warning, and he sends us to do something that fits with his excellent purposes, even if it frightens us. And yet, as the story goes on, though Zechariah is afraid at first and confused, he overcomes his fear, overcomes his disbelief, he praises God, and his, he and his wife have a son, as the angel prophesied. And they name him John, and they raise him in the Lord, and John becomes a mighty prophet, calling people back to God, getting the people ready for the coming of the Messiah, Jesus. God called Zechariah and Elizabeth to share in his glorious work. Six months after Elizabeth became pregnant, there was a single woman, a very young woman, in whom God found favor, who was engaged to be married, probably hoping to start a family, very likely praying diligently about these things. Her name was Mary. She was probably just in her mid to late teens, still quite young. The same angel, Gabriel, appeared to her too. Luke 1, now in verse 26. In the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a town in Galilee, to a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David. The virgin's name was Mary. The angel went to her and said, Greetings, you who are highly favored. The Lord is with you. Mary was greatly troubled at his words and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. But the angel said to her, do not be afraid, Mary. You have found favor with God. You will conceive and give birth to a son, and you are to call him Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over Jacob's descendants forever. His kingdom will never end. How will this be, Mary asked the angel, since I am a virgin? The angel answered, the Holy Spirit will come on you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. Even Elizabeth, your relative, is going to have a child in her old age, and she who is said to be unable to conceive is in her sixth month, for no word from God will ever fail. I am the Lord's servant, Mary answered. May your word to me be fulfilled. Then the angel left her. We know this encounter with the angel Gabriel caught Mary off guard and frightened her, or at least troubled her, because verse 29 says, Mary was greatly troubled at his words. Your Bible might say she was confused or perplexed. And Gabriel says to her, do not be afraid. But the fact is, Mary has a lot to be afraid of. First of all, even if Gabriel looks totally human, which angels in the Bible sometimes do, She's starting to pick up on the bizarre fact that she's speaking with an angel of God. That'll put you out of your comfort zone. 
Second, the angel is telling her wonderful but terrifying things. She's going to become pregnant and bear a son. And not by Joseph, her fiancé, but by the power of God's Holy Spirit. Her son will be great. He will be called the Son of the Most High. He will reign over a kingdom that will never end. And that's thrilling, but it comes with a lot of danger. Physical danger, because bearing a child is not technically safe. And relationship danger, because Mary could lose Joseph over this, simply by doing what God wants her to do. In fact, the book of Matthew, chapter 1, tells us that Joseph, when he heard Mary was pregnant, did indeed plan to call off the marriage until an angel came and spoke to Joseph himself to explain what God was doing in their lives. And then Joseph was on board. Even then, what would the neighbors think when they heard Mary was pregnant? What would her parents think? And if that's not enough, how is anyone supposed to be a parent to the Son of God? Yet after one very reasonable question, Mary accepts Gabriel's message and offers herself as the Lord's servant. Even if it means risking losing Joseph when he finds out that she's pregnant. Even if it means starting a family in a way she didn't expect. Even if it means taking on the intimidating role of raising God's own son, the Messiah. What an honor to be called to do this in step with God. And yet at the same time, what a terrifying responsibility. But this is what God does. He calls us to join with him in work that is far too grand for us, knowing it will be scary for us, and that's okay. And he says to us, do not be afraid. Because when God calls us into his service, he also provides for us as we serve him. He provides the relationships we need. He provides the finances we need. He provides the support we need. Everything we need, he will provide to us. He never leaves his children hanging. That's why he sends an angel to speak to Joseph. He knows Joseph's uh, in a response to Mary's pregnancy is going to be an issue for them. And so God helps. And this is why we pray that God would do great and meaningful things in our lives, even if they're scary to us. Because we know that when God does his glorious work among us, he also provides for us. And Mary, by God's invitation, gave birth to the Son of God, the Messiah, our Savior. And she cared for him, and she raised him, and she took her place among the greatest people of faith in the Scriptures because she was faithful. And through her, God brought his Son into the world to save us from our sin and to bring us back into the good relationship with our Creator for which He created us. Nine months later, on the night when Jesus was born, angels appeared to shepherds near Bethlehem, to a bunch of guys just out on the job, working the night shift. And their first reaction when the angel appeared, well, at this point in the lesson, you can guess it, 
They were afraid. This is Luke chapter 2 and verse 1. In those days, Caesar Augustus issued a decree that a census should be taken of the entire Roman world. This was the first census that took place while Quirinius was governor of Syria. And everyone went to their own town to register. So Joseph also went up from the town of Nazareth in Galilee to Judea to Bethlehem, the town of David, because he belonged to the house and line of David. He went there to register with Mary, who was pledged to be married to him and was expecting a child. While they were there, the time came for the baby to be born, and she gave birth to her firstborn, a son. She wrapped him in cloths and placed him in a manger, because there was no guest room available for them. And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. Today in the town of David a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. Suddenly a great company of the heavenly host appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest heaven and on earth peace to those on whom his favor rests. When the angels had left them and gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. So they hurried off and found Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in the manger. When they had seen him, they spread the word concerning what had been told them about this child. And all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds said to them. But Mary treasured up all these things and pondered them in her heart. The shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things they had heard and seen, which were just as they had been told. Jesus was born, the Savior, the Messiah, the Lord. And all God wanted from the shepherds that night was for them to come and celebrate the birth of his son. And wouldn't it have been great to get to be with them, you know, and get to, to see the angels and hear them speak and, and go and see the Son of God, except that the whole encounter started out scary. When the first angel appeared to them, Luke says they were terrified. Of course they were. Angels appearing suddenly in the darkness of the night with the glory of the Lord shining around them would be very frightening even in today's high-tech world where we're used to seeing lights here and there at night. But what did the angels say to them? Do not be afraid. He brought good news of great joy for all the people and he urged the shepherds to go and see the newborn Savior and then a great company of angels appeared and praised God as if heaven itself could not contain the celebration. And the shepherds, having worked through their initial fear, went to Bethlehem and found the baby Jesus and shared in the joy of his birth, the Savior, the Messiah, the Lord. Old Zechariah was gripped with fear. At first, when the angel appeared to him. But then, he got to share in God's work of preparing the people for the coming of the Messiah. 
Young Mary was puzzled, troubled at first, possibly afraid. But even so, and in spite of the risk to herself, she offered herself to God as his servant, and she became the mother of the Son of God. The shepherds, just a bunch of guys out working the night shift, were terrified. But they listened to the angel's message and were blessed to be among the first to witness the newborn Savior. And if we will respond when God calls us to be his children and to join with him in his glorious work in the world and in people's lives, if we'll hang in there through our initial fear and work through that and trust God to take care of us, we will be greatly blessed as we share in his work. All these people were afraid or troubled when God called them into his glorious work. But they were also faithful. And because they were faithful in spite of their fear, they were blessed to share in the coming of the Messiah, God's Son. You and I are just normal people like they were. Young people like Mary, old people like Zechariah, single like Mary, maybe engaged like Mary, maybe married like Zechariah. We're people who have to go to work every day, or in some cases, work the night shift. And we may not ever encounter an angel and know it, but God frequently calls us into his service. Because those whom he saves, he also calls he calls us to bless someone. He calls us to make sacrifices for the purposes of his kingdom. He calls us to give ourselves away to others as Jesus gave himself away for us. And often the work that he calls us to share in uh, is scary. And it doesn't even have to be as dramatic as fostering or adopting a child or doing mission work in a faraway land. It's often scary enough when God calls us to join him in loving a neighbor who is hard to love? Or when he calls us to take a stand for what is right? Or when he calls us to model holiness when holiness is not the norm? Sometimes it's scary to even open the Bible because you don't know what you might find when you read that day, even if you've read it before. There may be a message there from God that speaks a challenging, even confrontational word to us through it that day. It can be scary when God calls us to serve him in a new way. But we remember that it was scary for Jesus when he went to the cross. In the garden, he prayed that God would take the cup of suffering away from him. But he also said, yet not my will, but your will be done. And he faced his fear, and he went obediently to the cross, obeying God, his Father. And Jesus gave his life for us there. And God raised him from the dead, accomplishing his wonderful work for our salvation. When God calls us into his glorious service, it'll be scary sometimes. Why shouldn't it be? It was scary for Jesus, the Son of God, to serve his Father. And of course it'll be scary. Our God does huge things. He's working to change lives and to transform the world. But if we'll trust him and hang in there in spite of our fear, 
We will share in the same glorious work that God was beginning that night when Jesus was born 2027-ish years ago. Don't we pray that God would do glorious and meaningful work among us? And so let us be ready when he answers that prayer. Even if it's a little scary. When God calls us to join in his work, even, when, even if we're afraid, let us say with Mary, I am the Lord's servant. May your word to me be fulfilled. May God bless you today. Let's pray. God, our good Father, we present ourselves to you today as your servants asking you to do with us as you please. We just pray that like you did with Zechariah, with Mary, with those shepherds working the night shift, that you would do meaningful things in our lives, glorious things, powerful things. Be God in our lives and do not be benign, dear God, but be powerful. Work powerfully in your church, O God. We pray that you would do this even though we're kind of scared to think about what, might, what that might mean because we can't predict exactly which way you'll take us or exactly what you'll call each of us to do. But we pray, Lord, that you would fill us with a spirit of courage and that through your spirit who lives within each of your children, you would, you would nurture us and guide us and prepare us and then fill us with, with boldness and courage to do whatever work you call us to do. Lord, we thank you on this holiday weekend for the birth of Jesus, your son, and for the great things that you did through him, first through Zechariah and Elizabeth, and then through Mary and Joseph, through John, and then through Jesus, your son. Thank you for his wonderful birth, for that glorious night. Thank you for his life, his faithfulness. Thank you for his courage, even through his suffering. Thank you for his death. Thank you for his resurrection from the dead and for the power that he wields today as he sits on his throne at your right hand, as he leads his church, as he continues to work to bless the world. Lord, call us to share in that great and glorious work. We thank you that you have called us to be your children. We're thankful that you receive us to be your servants also. Bless us, Lord. Guide us and use us in the ways that you please. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.